Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome back, folks, friends, monsketeers of all ages. Welcome back to another episode of Leal Legacies Radnorock. And specifically, a um, retrospective episode. A retrospective episode where we are going to dive into everything we didn't know we wanted to know about Walt Disney's Lady and the Tramp. Now, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to go and listen to our Watch Along podcast for Lady and the Tramp, and preferably listen while you watch. You know what I mean? That's the whole idea of the Watch Along podcasts. Uh, now, I, I do believe they can be just as good, just as entertaining solo without without need to watch along. But, you know... Do you know what? Do what you want. Do do whatever is going to make you happy, and whatever is going to help you enjoy the episode to its fullest. Um, maybe you want to watch it before you listen to this, or after, so you know all the wonderful intricacies that went into the everything, everything about Lady and the Tramp. So. Yeah, Companion. This is the Companion podcast to our watch-along uh, for Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp is a 1955 American animated musical romance film produced by Walt Disney and released by Buena Vista Film Distribution. Whew. Film distribution. You know what? Is this one of the first ones? Uh, no. That's going to be something silly to say. But, you know, RKO, is that the... Are those the correct letters? RKO? K RKO. I don't know. I feel like there's another film distributor that has uh, popped up on, you know, the former animated classics up to this point. Though I could be wrong, but the best way to learn that information is not to look it up yourself, is to go listen to the old retrospective podcast for all the other animated features <laughs> and see if I said it there. Uh, okay. Uh, Leading the Tramp is the 15th, wow, the 15th Disney animated feature film. It was directed by Clyde Jerry Almin. Geronimi. Geronimi. That's what I wanted to say. G-E-R-O-N-I-M-I. -I. I said that right, didn't I? If I didn't, I apologize, Clyde. Uh, Wilford, Jackson. <laughs> Wilford Jackson and Hamilton Luske. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's going to be a real word-stumbly episode, so... Hope you're hope you're here for it. Um, it also features the voices of Barbara Luddy, 
an American actress best known for her voiceover work for Walt Disney Studios in the 1950s and 70s. Huh. Barbara Luddy, Larry Roberts, Bill Thompson, Bill Bauckham, B-A-U-C-O-M, Verna Felton. We know Verna Felton. We know Verna Felton very well. Uh, and Peggy Lee. It's based on the 1945 Cosmopolitan magazine story, Happy Dan, the Cynical Dog, by Ward Green. Lady and the Tramp tells the story of a female American cocker spaniel named Lady who lives with a refined upper-middle-class family and a male stray mutt called Tramp. Though the owner or the chef or, you know, the guy from the Italian restaurant calls him Butch. So I don't know. I don't know why we're all looking the other way on that. Like, is the tramp's name Butch? Or is it Tramp? You know what I mean? Lady and the Butch. Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp sounds much better. Um, but no, why is that not a thing? Why does nobody ever address that? The, you know, the Italian, I guess he's a chef. Tony? Or does he own the place? I don't know. The guy the guy who makes their spaghetti that they smooch over, um, he calls Tramp Butch. So I, I tend to call him Butch as well. I don't know. Uh, when the two dogs meet, they embark on many romantic adventures and fall in love. Oh, so this was a cosmopolitan magazine story. Interesting from 1945. So this is like one of the first ones, if not, well, there were those package films, Saludos Amigos, Three Caballeros, Melody Time, Make Mind Music. Um, <clears throat> not, well, I guess... In Melody Time, they told the story of uh, Johnny Appleseed and Pecos Bill. So those were old-time, you know, kind of fair, tall tales, tall tales. Uh, Lady and the Tramp is not a tall tale nor a fairy tale, but a, at the time, 10 years prior, it's a modern-day cosmopolitan, I almost stumbled over that pretty bad, uh, modern day cosmopolitan magazine story. Happy Dan and the Cin or Happy Dan the Cynical Dog. Now, Happy Dan the Cynical Dog here here makes me feel like Tramp's name is Dan, which I mean <laughs> not 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 as entertaining as Butch. Arguably, no offense to the Dans of the world. Hey, if your name is Dan, great. Rhymes with Stan, like Stan Lee. So, ergo, <laughs> you're, you're, you're okay in my book. You. Um, okay. Sorry. I, uh, <laughs> just, I can't, I can't think of okay without thinking about the little rascals. I don't know. I don't know why that is. That's a lot of little rascals references in my life. I call my son Bane Spanky. 
for the sole reason he kind of reminds me of Spanky from The Little Rascals. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Happy Dan the Cynical Dog. <laughs> yeah, if your name's Dan, you're, you're cool, okay? But if you're, let's, let's be real. Let's be completely honest with ourselves. You're not butch. <laughs> you're not a butch. <clears throat> oh, boy. Um... Okay, anyway, Lady and the Tramp was released to theaters on June 22nd, 1955 to box office success. It was the first animated film to be filmed in the Cinescope widescreen film process, as well as Disney's first animated film to be distributed by their Buena Vista division. See, I knew it. I knew this was the first time we saw Buena Vista film tied to uh, one of these um, animated features. Uh, <laughs> if you're not watching the video, then you missed out. You missed out on that. Uh, I'm proud of myself for catching that anyway, for the Buena Vista thing. Um, it initially received generally mixed reviews by film critics, but critical reception for the film has been generally positive in modern times. A direct-to-video sequel, Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, was released on February 27, 2001, in a live-action CGI hybrid remake premiered on November 12, 2019, as a launch title for the Disney Plus streaming service i have not seen the sequel lady and the tramp 2 scamps adventure nor have i seen the live action um i feel like people liked the live action one though and you know what if you listen to the watch along you'll know you'll have learned uh much to i suppose my chagrin uh i hadn't I hadn't seen Lady and the Tramp, really, all the way through. I can't remember ever seeing it all the way through. Hold on a sec. Oh, the tea is at that perfect, perfect temperature where it's like, it's still hot enough to be like, ooh, hot tea, but not scolding your taste buds and making your tongue feel all raw for like a week. Um, <clears throat> oh, geez. Uh, can't ever not hit the mic cable. I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to get around to watching the live action. I definitely won't. I don't think I'm ever going to get around to watching the sequel. I don't think I'm going to do watch alongs for any of these direct to video sequels. <clears throat> Cause what's the point? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, from what I understand, the live action remake was decent. We're going to skip the plot because go watch it. Uh, here's some about the cast. Barbara Luddy as Lady, an American Cocker Spaniel, who is the primary POV character in the film. A Christmas present to Darling from Jim Deere. The, the human names. I uh, embarrass myself. And then the watch along and I I can't I can't understand Jim Deere's 
I, I, it took me a minute to get caught up on that's what the dog hears them call each other. So she just thinks that's their name. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not bright, guys. Um, let's see. She quickly becomes the center of their lives, but is then partly displaced by the birth of a human baby, their, their baby. It's not just a, some random baby uh, who she comes to love devotedly. Her experiences outside the household and her encounter with Tramp force her to question the nature of her relationship with her humans, who she never sees as her owners. Hmm. Uh, similar to, and we haven't watched this yet, uh, 101 Dalmatians. I feel like there's a similar pet owner relationship dynamic in that one as well. Um, and give her a new understanding of the world around her full of animals and humans, pleasures and dangers. What in the world? Are we, is there going to be like a synopsis for every character like this? Huh. Okay. Why not? Uh, let's see. Who's next? Larry Roberts as Tramp or Butch. I'm not going to give that one up. Why does that restaurateur call Tramp Bush? Butch. Bush? Like the band? If you guys did you guys like Bush from the nineties? Early 2000s-ish, mostly 90s. Gavin Rosdale, Gwen Stefani's ex-husband. I liked Bush a lot. Uh, let's see. Okay, Larry Roberts as Tramp, a mixed breed dog of apparent terrier ancestry. That is pretty apparent. Uh, with a knack for dodging, dodge, dog, bleh, bleh, dodging dog catchers. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he calls Lady Pidge, <laughs> which... I found to be fantastic. Uh, and if you didn't know, short for pigeon, which he calls her <laughs> owing to her naivete. So because she's so naive, she's a pigeon. Good old pidge. <laughs> oh, man. Now I wish I named my dog Pidge. A hey, Pidge. But her name's Nova. Oh, I shouldn't say that loud. She'll come in here. Um, Pidge. <laughs> I still get a, a real kick out of that. Did they do that in the live action one? Does anybody know? Anybody? There's no one else here. Um, sweet. He never refers to himself by name, although most of the film's canine cast refer to him as The Tramp. That sound that feels like more more of a nickname than a true name, right? Yeah, it's the tramp. Uh, it is not until the sequel in which any humans call him Tramp. So in the sequel is when they decided that. His name was going to be legitimately Tramp. I mean, I don't know. How did they know? How would they know? They didn't hear the other dogs call him that. 
seems like a really rude name to give a dog a tramp. Uh, but in the sequel, the sequel confirmed in canon, his name is Tramp, not Butch, which I think Butch would have been better, but whatever. Um, it is never explained why they name quotes, quote unquote, they name him with the very name he was known by on the streets. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. On the streets. Uh, here's more. It is not until the sequel in which any humans call him Tramp. Oh, wait. My dyslexia has kicked in yet again, and I was restarting the same sentence. Where I was supposed to go was here. Tramp had other names in the film, and when asked by Lady about having a family... Tramp states that he has one for every day of the week. I suppose that is kind of trampy. But, you know, what is he going to do? It's a stray. It's a tramp. No? Wait. Anyway. Okay, so I, I like in here, it also says that Tramp had other names in the film. Other names? The only other one name I caught was Butch. And I don't like how they don't reference that here, but I do like how they reference that he had uh, a name beyond Tramp. So that, that makes me happy. Um, let's see. Uh, it's never explained. Okay. Known to on the street. One for every day of the week. Okay. Point is, none of them have me. Each family mentioned called him a different name, such as Mike or Fritz. Which family called him Mike? The families also had different nationalities, such as Irish or German. Oh, okay, so did the Irish family call him Mike? And then I presume the German family called him Fritz. So that's fun. Butch is still my favorite. Uh, as he did not belong to a single family, Tramp implied that it was easier than the baby problems Lady was going through at the time. It's never easy to introduce a new baby to the family. You know? This was like a really kind of dark movie when it comes to like, you know babies <laughs> the rat and the cats knocking the baby out of the crib <sighs> sorry aggressive um all right so we got bill thompson as jock but i think it was pronounced Jacques in the film uh jock or Jacques, a scottish terrier who is one of lady's neighbors thompson also voiced joe Tony's assistant chef, Bull, a stray male bulldog from the dog pound who speaks with a slight Cockney accent. Uh, what is that? Do Doxy. Doxy. That's how I'm pronouncing that. D-A-C-H-S-I-E. A stray male dachshund uh, at the dog pound who speaks with a German accent an Irish-accented policeman, and Jim's friend. Wow. 
wow, Bill Thompson really pulling his weight in this movie. Uh, Bill Backham, and that's B-A-U-C-O-M. Am I? Bauckham? 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 Bauckham. Bauckham? Bauckham. Bill Bauckham? I don't know. As Trusty, a bloodhound who used to track criminals with his grandpappy, old, reliable, until he lost his sense of smell. Tragic. But did he? Did he lose his sense of smell? We don't really know, do we? Uh, Verna Felton as Aunt Sarah, Jim Deere's aunt, revealed to be the sister of Jim Deere's mother in Ward Green's novelization of the film. So that's how Aunt Sarah is related to everybody, because I was confused about that. Uh, uh, Aunt Sarah, who comes to take care of the baby when Jim Deere and Darling leave for a few days. She's a well-meaning busybody of a maiden aunt who adores her Siamese cats but does not believe that dogs should be around babies. What a very specific belief. Um, She blames both Lady and Tramp for the baby's crib being knocked over. Aggressive against babies, this movie. Uh, Not knowing that they were actually protecting the baby from a from a vicious rat which is that a common problem are are babies often attacked by vicious rats i mean i've had i've had a child or two and and none of them have been attacked by rats to my knowledge i mean they don't i mean i don't i don't know i do go to sleep and when I'm sleeping, I presume they're sleeping, not getting in street fights with rats. Although Maverick, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never understood the uh, the <laughs> that's that point of this movie is is the, the rat just just instinctually attacking or going after the baby. Anyway, however. She sends a box of dog biscuits for Christmas in the final scene of the film in a presumed attempt to make amends for her mistreatment of the two dogs. Now, I totally missed that. I didn't see, I didn't notice that in the film. I didn't notice that Aunt Sarah had sent Lady and Tramp a Christmas box of uh, dog biscuits. That's wonderful. little Easter egg for you. So go back and watch. Um, cool. Uh, let's see. Now, is this Jorge? No, because I would be a J if it was. So it's just normal George. Or is it? Is Jorge spelled with a G? I don't even know. Um, George Givet or Givet. G-I-V-O-T. Now you tell me how that is pronounced. Givet or Givet. Gibot, Javot, ooh, Javot, George Javot, Jorge Javot, George Javot. I like George Javot. Um, George was Tony, the owner and chef of Tony's Italian restaurant. He and Joe both have great affection for Tramp. No, they have great affection for Butch. Not letting that go. Long live Butch. Uh... Lee Millar, or Miller, M-L-I-L-L-A-R, 
Millar. Millar? Millar. Uh, as Jim Deere, the fatherly human figure and Darling's husband, Millar or Miller, also voiced the dog catcher. Wow. You were Jim Deere and the voice of the dog catcher? Such crazy like parallel there. One character you love and care for the dog. The other character you're trying to catch him. Wow. Uh, Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee as Darling, the motherly human figure, and Jim Deere's wife. Lee also voiced C and Am. I didn't know those were the Siamese cat's names. C and Am. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Peggy Lee was also C and Am, Aunt Sarah's twin Siamese cats with a knack for mischief and never-ending trouble. And Peg, a stray female Pekingese who Lady meets at the pound, along with the other dog inmate she was put in the cage with. Okay. Uh, the names of C and Am are a pun on the country of Siam. Oh, so, oh, that's fun. So the cat's name Sai and Am, not C and Am? Sai and Am. <laughs> there you go. There's going to be some Disney trivia for you. You're going to... You're going to go to a Disney trivia, and they're going to say, what are the Siamese cats' names from Lady and the Tramp? And you'll go, it's Cy and Am for Siam. Uh, it is implied that Peg had a relationship with Tramp in the past, though the lyrics of the song she sings, he's a tramp. Oh, through. Through, not though. Through the lyrics of the song she sings, he's a tramp. It, it, uh, it was heavily implied that uh, that Tramp and Peg had a thing, a thing fling. But, I mean, can you blame her? <clears throat> can you blame her? Uh, let's see. Peg was formerly from the Dog and Pony Follies, Dog and Pony show. Either the show ended or she was left behind. Oh, Peg has a Brooklyn accent in case you a lot of fun facts about these characters in here oh uh, uh stan ferberg freeberg freberg f-r-e-b-e-r-g give me that one um as the beaver a clever hard-working beaver at the zoo who speaks with a lisp much like gopher from winnie the pooh um he gnaws off the muzzle and or that Aunt Sarah had placed upon Lady after Tramp realizes that the muzzle is just what the beaver needs for pulling logs. What a happy happenstance of a situation. Uh, this character, what a weird development in that story. Uh, this character would later serve as the inspiration for Gopher from Winnie the Pooh. And the Honey Tree from 1966. There you go. Uh, down to the speech pattern, a whistling sound when he makes S sounds. Um, those are the two correlations between Gopher and this beaver character. Sunny. That's how he would sound. Sunny. 
soup. I want to eat some <laughs> Um, Where did I go? Uh, okay, yeah. Stan Furbig, Furbig, Freebig, Freberg, 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 who voiced the beaver in the film, had an extensive background in commercial and comedy recording voiceovers and soundtracks. Oh. Uh, on the two-disc Platinum Edition DVD, he demonstrates how it was done and that a whistle was eventually used because it was hard to continue repeating the effect. Oh. So he would just, like, kind of talk, talk like this, and then they would add the whistle in later. Yeah, because that's kind of tricky just to speak normally like that. Here I am sipping on tea. Sipping. Sip. Anyway. Uh, Alan Reed as Boris, a stray male Borzia. Borzoe? Borzoe. Borzoe? Borzoe? Borzow. Borzow. A Russian hunting sighthound. Huh. That's what that weird looking dog's called. Uh, from the dog pound. He speaks with a Russian accent. Great. Um, Thurl Ravenscroft. We know that name from some other uh, Disney Disney classics. Such as... Oh, he's Tony the Tiger. Wow, for Frosted Flakes. Didn't, didn't think that was going to be the first thing we saw. Well, that's all we're going to really need right now. Um, Thurl... As Al the alligator, an alligator that Tramp asks to remove the muzzle from Lady. However, he instead almost bites Lady's head off. Well, he's an alligator. Uh, Dallas McKinnon, 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 M little C, big K, E N N O N, as Tuffy. A stray male mutt from the dog pound. He speaks with a slight Brooklyn accent like Peg. McKinnon, McKinnon also voiced Pedro, a stray male chihuahua from the dog pound who speaks with a Mexican accent, uh, a professor, and a laughing hyena. Well, look at you, Dallas. Pulling your way, too, just like uh, old, what was his name? Bob, Bill, Bill Thompson was. And then the Mellow Men. Thurl Ravencroft, Billy, Max Smith, Bob Hamlin, and Bob Stevens as Dog Chorus. The Dog Chorus. Okay. Well, that is that was a lot of fun, learning those little tidbits about each of those characters. Uh, in 1937, here we go, for the story development. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to have more tea. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've done a, a retrospective. I haven't read aloud like this in a hot second. In, in my prime timeline, you may be listening to this sequentially and you're like what are you talking about you just i just we just did a retrospective for pinocchio like 20 minutes ago well that wasn't pinocchio before this was peter pan if you're going in order before lady and the tramp is peter pan a member's things okay 
Here we go. Story development. In 1937, Walt Disney Productions story artist Joe Grant came up with an idea inspired by the antics of his English Springer Spaniel lady. An English Springer Spaniel. Not a Cocker Spaniel. Springer Spaniel. Cool. Uh, oh, and this his English Springer Spaniel <laughs> is named Lady. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and how she got shoved aside by Joe's new baby. So was he coming... Is Joe Grant, like, just coming to the table with life experience? He's like, look, my life, my real life, and my dog, Lady, it's worth a Disney movie. You know what? My life is way more interesting than that. So I think it should be a Disney movie. Uh, no offense to you, Joe. He approached... <laughs> okay. Joe, he approached Walt Disney with sketches of Lady... Disney enjoyed the sketches and commissioned Grant to start story development on a new animated feature titled Lady. Man, just this guy and his dog. And Walt was like, yes. <laughs> we have Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, Pinocchio, Cinderella, Snow White, all these timeless classics. And you know what? Our next one is just going to be about your dog and, and the antics in your life. Which... I mean, hey, it worked, right? Um, through the late 1930s and 1940s, Joe Grant and other artists worked on the story, taking a variety of approaches, but Disney was not pleased with any of them, primarily because he thought Lady was too sweet and there was not enough action. This dog is too good. And there's, we need more chaos. Uh, Walt Disney read the short story written by Ward Green titled Happy Dan the Cynical Dog in the Cosmopolitan magazine published in 1945. He thought that Grant's story would be improved if Lady fell in love with a cynical dog character like the one in Green's story and bought the rights to it. Wow. This is not how I imagined... Lady and the Tramp coming together. So this Lady and the Tramp was kind of like a an a, a Disney original, you know, not based on a prior fairy tale or anything like that. I mean, sure, it had influence from uh, Happy Dan the Cynical Dog and Joe Grant's real life, um, but yeah, the high the hybridization of the article and Joe's life, like. How fascinating. I never I never would have guessed. I, I really honestly thought that it was it was just like the other films, the other stories pulled from, you know, prior works. But yeah, guess not. Outstanding. Um excuse me. I'm <laughs> I, I'm not sorry. Look, I'm tired, okay? I live an exhausting life and I still find the time to follow my passion of doing this which nobody asks for uh cool the cynical dog had various names during development including homer rags and bozo before tramp was chosen bozo 
Lady and Bozo. <laughs> Homer, Rags, and Bozo. And Tony didn't use any of those names. He called him Butch. Why are we avoiding Butch? Still, we'll reference Homer, Rags, and Bozo before we reference Butch. Now, I find that to be just unacceptable. Um, the film, bleh, the finished film is slightly different from what was originally planned. Lady was to have only one next-door neighbor, a Ralph ben, bel, Bellamy? Bellamy. Ralph Bellamy. Ralph Rexford Bellamy was an American actor whose career spanned 62 years on stage, film and television. Uh, during his career, he played leading roles as well as supporting roles. Okay, cool. Ralph Bellamy. Uh, so it's a, a Ralph, so one next door neighbor, a Ralph Bellamy type canine named Hubert. Hubert was later replaced with Jock or Jacques and Trusty. Aunt Sarah was the traditional overbearing mother-in-law in the final film. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. There was a period there. Aunt Sarah was the traditional overbearing mother-in-law. In the film, she is softened to a busybody who, though antagonistic towards Lady and the Tramp, is well-meaning. She sends a packet of dog biscuits to the dogs at Christmas to apologize for mistreating them. Again, with the biscuits at Christmas. Totally miss that. Um, Aunt Sarah's Nip and Tuck were later renamed Cy and Am. Okay, so the Siamese cats were originally named Nip and Tuck. I feel like there's a weird connotation there for some reason. Um, and renamed Cy and Am. Originally, ladies' owners were called Jim Brown and Elizabeth. <laughs> what? Okay. Uh, these were changed to highlight ladies' point of view. So that's why we got Jim Deere and Darling. Interesting. I wonder if their names actually are Jim Brown and Elizabeth. I guess, would that be Elizabeth Brown as well? Or is that Jim's, like, first and middle name? Jim Brown. Um, they were briefly referred to as Mr. and Mrs. before naming or before setting or settling before settling on the names Jim Deere and Darling. Uh, to maintain a dog's perspective, Darling and Jim's faces are rarely shown similar to Tom's various owners in the Tom and Jerry cartoons. The rat was somewhat, uh, wait, hold on. The rat was a somewhat comic character in early sketches, but became a great deal more frightening. So the rat was more comedic looking, I guess. Uh, due to the need to raise dramatic tension. So they took the rat, who I presume they are implying looked more comic-y, more cartoony, more comical. Uh... I mean, it's scarier to up the tension. But this also does not explain why <clears throat> this film seems to have an understanding that rats like to attack babies. Because, again, I've had several babies. Not personally. They haven't come out of me. But I've raised 
a few babies, and I've never had a rat problem with any of them. But again, I don't know what Maverick does when my eyes are closed. If any of my kids were to fight rats, it'd be him. Um, let's see. Where do we leave off? Oh, there it is. Uh, a scene created but then deleted was one in which after Trusty says everybody knows a dog's best friend is his human, uh, Tramp describes a world in which the roles of both dogs and humans are switched. The dogs are the masters and vice versa. There was a love triangle. There was a love triangle among Lady Tramp and a Russian wolfhound named Boris, uh, who appears in the dog pound in the final version. So that weird scraggly Russian wolfhound dog uh, was also fond of Lady, but was Lady fond of Boris? Hmm. Weird. So this 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 story was like <laughs> way way much more in depth. I'd like I would have liked to see the uh, role reversal scene with the humans and dogs in the film's opening sequence, in which Darling unwraps a hat box on Christmas morning and finds Lady inside, is inspired by an incident when Walt Disney presented his wife Lily with a chow puppy as a gift in a hat box to make up for having previously forgotten a dinner date with her. Well, that's a fun little tidbit of info. Uh, in 1949, Grant left the studio, yet Disney storymen were continually pulling Grant's original drawings and story off the shelf to retool. A solid story began taking shape in 1953. Man, this took forever to make. <clears throat> Based on Grant's storyboards and Green's short story, Green later wrote a novelization of the film that was released two years before the film itself at Walt Disney's insistence so that the audience would be familiar with the story. That's brilliant. So this is the first time a Disney film is not based on a previously existing story. So Disney's like, dude, write one, write one. Let's get it out there. And voila, there, there's a movie about this book, but the book was actually about the movie or inspired by the movie well it's inspired by a lot of things anyway um great due to green's novelization grant did not receive film credit for his story work an issue that animation director eric goldberg hoped to rectify in the lady and the tramp platinum editions behind the scenes vignette that explained Grant's role. Well, I'm glad Grant got some credit for taking a anecdote from his own life and his own dog. And, you know, okay, I guess that's a valuable credit, right? That's a value. Like, without him, this ball, this lady in the tramp ball doesn't get rolling. So, you know what? Do credit 
or credit is deserved. Do credit. I think that made sense. Do credit. I don't know. But yeah, Joe Grant. Thank you, Joe Grant, for leading the tramp. Uh, singer Peggy Lee not only voiced four characters, but co-wrote six songs for the film. Wow. Get it, Peggy. Get it, Peggy Lee. Um, Animation. As they had done with Deer on Bambi, the animators studied many dogs of different breeds to capture the movement and personality of dogs. Although the spaghetti-eating sequence is probably now the best-known scene from the film, Walt Disney was prepared to cut it, thinking that it would not be romantic and the dogs eating spaghetti would look silly. Well, Walt, this is one of those times where you, you, you didn't have it. You didn't, you didn't see. It stuck out. The dogs eating spaghetti sing did stick out to you, but in the wrong direction. It's the most iconic scene in the whole movie. Nobody, people who have not seen, like myself previously, Lady and the Tramp, you know, Lady, you know the spaghetti scene. It's like the one of the most, like, iconic uh, scenes from a film ever, and one of the most mimicked, right? Mimic, it's mimic a word. Has there's uh, there's that scene has countless scenes paying tribute to it. Is that a better way to put it? Um, animator Frank Thomas was against Walt's decision and animated the entire scene himself without any layouts. Walt was impressed by Thomas's work and how he romanticized the scene and kept it in. He romanticized it. What, what did the scene look like before it was romanticized? I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Do they fight over the spaghetti like you would imagine dogs to do in real life? Is that what? Did they take out the dog fight scene to make it more romanticized? <laughs> We've got to make this more romantic. Lady and Tramp cannot fight. <laughs> we got to dog fight scene's got to go. We're we're Tramp bites Tony. We got to take that out. <laughs> we got to take that out. Um, hilarious. I think I'm funny. Uh. Sweet. On viewing the first take of the scene, the animators felt that the action should be slowed down. So an apprentice trainee was assigned to create half numbers in between many of the original frames. Not sure what that means, but that apprentice trainee, what a, what a what a job, what a task to do, because that sounds tedious. Don't know what it what it what it is but it sounds like a tedious thing to do. Um, originally, <clears throat> the background artist was supposed to be Mary Blair. Mary Blair, famously uh, of Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Song of the South, and Cinderella fame. Also, I believe Mary Blair, it's her designs for the uh, Small World dolls. The dolls on It's a Small World, I think those are Mary Blair designs as well. I'm very confident. You know what? There's a ret- we have a retrospective podcast where we dive into everything we didn't know we wanted to know about It's a Small World. So go listen to that and see if I talk about Mary Blair in there. I'm pretty sure I do. Uh, let's see. Originally, the background artist was supposed to be Mary Blair, 
and she did some inspirational sketches for the film. However, she left the studio to become a children's book illustrator in 1953. Claude Coates was then appointed as the key background artist. Coates made models of the interior of Jim Deere and Darling's house and shot photos and film at a low perspective as reference to maintain a dog's view. I didn't realize how much of this movie was all dog view eye level. You know what I mean? Of course you know what I mean. Um, <clears throat> that's pretty fascinating. That's really fascinating. Uh, something that decades later, I would imagine, that would carry over into uh, what they did with, like, Rescuers and uh, Toy Story, Great Mouse Detective, all these, like, small, low points of view because they're animals and toys and things. Uh, anyhow. Um... <clears throat> Wow, what's this name? Uh, Evind, E-Y-V-I-N-D, Earl, Early, Erlay, Evind, Erlay, E-A-R-L-E. How do you how do you pronounce that? I'm gonna say Evind Early, who later became the art director of Disney's Sleeping Beauty. Oh, I'm gonna have to learn how to say that name, and because Sleeping Beauty is coming up next. Uh, did almost 50 miniature concept sketches for the Bella Note sequence and was a key contributor to the film. And I bet you that's why uh, they got Sleeping Beauty as the follow-up for this movie. Uh, Cinescope. Cinescope. <clears throat> Originally, Lady and the Tramp was planned to be filmed in a regular full-frame aspect ratio. However, due to the growing interest of widescreen film among moviegoers, Disney decided to animate the film in Cinescope, making Lady and the Tramp the first animated feature filmed in the process. Wow! So, not only is Lady and the Tramp the first mostly Disney original story, uh... It's also the first film to be done in uh, Cinescope, which, I mean, that's that's his, his that's film history right there. Uh, this new innovation <clears throat> presented additional problems for the animators. The expansion of space created more realism, but gave fewer close-ups. It also made it difficult for a single character to dominate the screen so that groups had to be spread out to keep the screen from appearing sparse. Interesting. Longer takes become necessary since constant jump, jump cutting would seem too busy or annoying. Layout artists essentially had to reinvent their technique. Wow. That this is who knew who knew that Lady and the Tramp was such a groundbreaking film for the art of film making and animation. I guess, but well, I was gonna say more animation than filmmaking, but really both. 
It's just fascinating. See, this is why we do it. <clears throat> That's something we didn't know we wanted to know about Lady and the Tramp. Um, let's see. Animators had to remember that they had to move their characters across uh, the background instead of the background passing behind them. Huh. Yet the animators overcame these obstacles during the action scenes, such as Tramp killing the rat. So they overcame the obstacle in that scene? Yet the animators overcame these obstacles during action scenes. But for all the scenes that weren't action scenes, they weren't able to overcome those obstacles. It's a weirdly, uh, really weird way to word that. More problems arose as the premiere date got closer since not all theaters had the capability to show Cinescope at the time. Upon learning this, Walt issued two versions of the film, one in widescreen and another in the Academy ratio. This involved gathering the layout artists to reconstruct or, or re, yeah, restructure. <laughs> layout artists to restructure key scenes when characters were on the edges of the screen. <clears throat> this feels like such an undertaking. Uh, release. Lady and the Tramp was originally released to theaters June 22nd, 1955. An episode of Disneyland called A Story of Dogs aired before the film's release. The film was also reissued to theaters in 1962, 1972, 1980, and 1986. Lady and the Tramp also played a limited engagement in select Cinemark theaters from February 16th through 18th in 2013. Home Media. Lady and the Tramp was first released on North American VHS cassette and Laserdisc in 1987 as part of the Walt Disney's or the Walt Disney Classics video series and in the United Kingdom in 1990. Wow. The UK had to wait. Well, I mean, I say they had to wait till 1990 to get, but that's kind of like the, the, the era of home video. Like home video was just really getting popping in like the late 80s. And 90s. <clears throat> so I guess, you know, now what didn't really have to lay look. Let's see. North America got it 87. The UK got it three years later. So they didn't wait that long. Um, at the end of its initial home video release, it was reported to have sold more than 3 million copies, becoming the best selling video cassette at the time. Wow. I had no idea so many people adored Lady and the Tramp. I knew Lady and the Tramp was like iconic Disney, but I mean, I clearly did not give it the credit it so, you know, justly deserves. Um, <clears throat> it went into Matorium on March 31st, 1988. The video cassette had grossed a hundred million in sales by 1988. Peggy Lee was asked to help promote the release, for which she was paid five hundred bucks. 
500 bucks to promote this. And this is before social media and stuff, so what did she do? Did she, like, go on TV or something? Uh, after its release on videotape, she sought performance and song royalties on the video sales. <laughs> Sounds a little, uh, you know, I don't know, greedy, but maybe she deserved it. I don't know. Uh, Disney CEO Michael Eisner refused, thus she filed a suit in 1988. Eventually, in 1992, the California Court of Appeals ordered Disney to pay Lee $3.2 million in compensation, or about 4% of the video sales. Well, yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, it was released on VHS again in 1988 as part of the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection video series. A Disney limited-issue DVD of the film was released on November 23rd, 1999 for a limited 60-day time period. Uh, Lady and the Tramp was remastered and restored for DVD on February 28th, 2006 as the seventh installment of Disney's Platinum Edition series. On its first day, one million copies of the Platinum Edition were sold. The Platinum Edition DVD went on Matorium on January 31st, 2007, along with the 2006 DVD reissue of the film's sequel, Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure. Uh, Lady and the Tramp was released on Blu-ray in February, or on February 7th, 2012, as a part of the Disney's Diamond Edition series, a standalone one-disc DVD edition was released on March 20th, 2012. Lady and the Tramp was re-released on Digital HD on February 20th, 2018, and on Blu-ray February 27th, 2018, as part of the Walt Disney Signature Collection line. Wow. Wow. Um, <clears throat> critical reception. During the initial release, the film initially polarized critics. Bowsley Crowther of the New York Times claimed the film was not the best Disney has done in this line. The sedimentally is... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, that's what that says. The sentimentally is mighty. That doesn't make sense to me at all, so I'm probably saying that word wrong. And the cinescope size does not make for any less aware of the thickness of the goo. What is this guy saying? Uh, or am I just burning out? It also magnifies the animation so that the flaws and poor foreshadowing or for shortening what poor foreshortening i don't even know is it me or is it this guy is it me or is it bowsley it's bowsley bosley 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 maybe it is me um okay anyway i don't like the way this guy speaks 
Unfortunately and surprisingly, the artist's work is below par in this film. Wow. Time, wrote, Walt Disney has for so long played gooey sentiment and stark humor into profitable cartoons that most moviegoers are apt to be more surprised than disappointed to discover that the combination somehow does not work this time. Whoa. However, Variety deemed the film a delight for the juveniles and a joy for adults. See, that's just... That that feel the first two the whoever wrote for time and an old Bosley up there, I don't know man they're 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 cynical dance they're happy dance they're happy dance cynical dogs. <laughs> uh, Harrison's reports felt the. Uh, Scintillating musical score and several songs, the dialogue and the voices, the behaviors and the expressions of the different characters, the mellow turn of the century backgrounds, the beautiful color and sweep of the Cinescope process, all these add up to the one of the most enjoyable cartoon features Disney has ever made. I wouldn't go that far, though. I like I like you Harrison's reports, but to say one of the most enjoyable, I mean, maybe it is. No, no. For the 15 that we've been through at this point, uh, I might give it top 10. Where would you stack it? One through 15, where would you stack Lady and the Tramp? You tell me. Uh, cool. Great. Let's see. Um, has ever made Edwin Schalter, Charlotte, Charlotte, Scarlet, 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 S-C-H-A-L-L-E-R-T. I don't know. Uh, of the Los Angeles Times described the film as a delightful, haunting charmed fantasy that is remarkably enriched with music and incidentally with rare conversations among the canine characters. Huh. Um, let's see. However, the film has since gone to become regarded as a classic Dave Kerr writing for the Chicago Tribune gave the film four stars uh, animation historian Charles Solomon praised the film. The sequel, Lady and the Tramp, sharing a pale... Oh, wait, what? What? The sequence, not sequel. The sequence of Lady and the Tramp sharing a plate of spaghetti climaxed by an accidental kiss as they swallow opposite ends of the same strand of spaghetti is considered an iconic scene in American film history. I mean... Couldn't agree more. Uh, a review aggregator web website, Rotten Tomatoes, reported that the film received a 93% approval rating with an average rating of 7.9 out of 10 based on 43 reviews. Uh, the website's consensus states a nostalgic charmer, Lady in the Tramp's token sweetness is mighty, but the song's 
and richly colored animation are technically superb and make for a memorable experience. I agree, but the song, the song, the songs in Lady and the Tramps were not my favorite. Uh, the Siamese, if you please, we are Siamese, if you, that gives me the creeps. Uh, Lady and the Tramp was named number 95 out of the 100 greatest love stories of all time. 95. Barely made it. Uh, by the American Film Institute in their 100 Years, 100 Passions special as one of the, or as one of only two animated films to appear on the list. Well, well, then that is something to brag about. Uh, along with Disney's Beauty and the Beast, which ranked 34. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Beauty and the Beast, Lady and the Tramp, Beauty and the Beast all day. Beauty and the Beast wins all day. In 2010, Rhapsody called its accompanying soundtrack one of the all-time great Disney and Pixar soundtracks. I do, I respectfully disagree. In June 2011, Time named it one of the 25 all-time best animated films. Hmm. Hmm. 2011? I don't know, man. In 2011... 25 best animated films. I mean, that's a stretch, I think. Uh, box office. It's an initial release. The film took a higher figure than any other Disney animated feature since Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, earning an estimated $6.5 million in distributor rentals. When it was re-released in 1962, it grossed roughly between six and $7 million. During its 1971 re-release, the film grossed $10 million, and when it was re-released again in 1980, it, it grossed $27 million. During its fourth re-release in 1986, it gained, or, or garnered $31.1 million. Jeez, Lady and the Tramp has had a domestic lifetime gross of... $93.6 million and a lifetime international gross of $187 million. Wow. Wow. That is phenomenal. I mean, kind of surprising in a way. No? I mean, I, I, I drastically underestimated just how grand of a film Lady and the Tramp is and how how beloved it is. So, my bad. Um, accolades. In 1956, BAFTA Awards, Best Animated Film, nominated. Uh, David D. Donatello Awards, Best Foreign Producer, Walt Disney, won. They won that one. Uh, the Satellite Awards, Beth Best Youth DVD, and it was nominated. Huh. Uh, American Film Institute lists. Uh, AFI's 100 Years 100 Movies, it was nominated. AFI's 100 Years 100 Passions, it was number 95. Uh, AFI's 100 Years 100 Songs, He's a Tramp, was nominated. 
AFI's Greatest Movie Musicals. It was nominated in AFI's Top 10, or AFI's 10 Top 10 nominated for animated film. Well, that's, yeah. I... Um, I, I will, I will forever, uh, sing a different tune when referencing Lady and the Tramp moving forward. Um, let's see. The score for the film was composed by, or was composed and conducted by Oliver Wallace. It was the last Disney animated film for which Oliver Wallace did the score as the scores for the next six Disney animated films were composed by George Burns, uh, starting with Sleeping Beauty until Robin Hood. Recording artist Peggy Lee wrote the songs with Sonny Burke and assisted with the score as well. In the film, she sings La La Lou, the Siamese cat song, and He's a Tramp. She helped promote the film on the Disney TV series, explaining her work with the score and singing a few of the film's numbers. Uh, these appearances are available as part of the Lady and the Tramp Platinum DVD set. On November 16th, 1988, Peggy Lee sued the Walt Disney Company. Okay, yeah, we figured that one out. She won. Uh, the remastered soundtrack of Lady and the Tramp was released on CD by Walt Disney Records on September 9th, 1997, and was as and was released as a digital download on September 26th, 2006. Songs from the movie include the main title, Bella Note, performed by George Javat. Still not entirely sure. And the Disney Studio Chorus, Peace on Earth by Donald Novice and the Disney Studios Choir, uh, What is a Baby by Barbara Luddy, La La Lou by Peggy Lee, The Siamese Cat Song by Peggy Lee. So it's just called The Siamese Cat Song. Uh, Bella Note by uh, George Javat. I really hope that's the way to pronounce that name. And the Disney Studio Chorus, He's a Tramp by Peggy Lee and the Mellow Men. Uh, and then the finale, Peace on Earth by Donald Novus and the Disney Studio Chorus, yet again. Uh, the sequel, Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, on February 27th, 20, or, well, 2001, Disney television, Disney television animation and Disney video premiered uh, or premiere. Hold on. Let me start that one completely over because I botched that just epically. On February 27th, 2001. <laughs> <coughs> oh, excuse me. I choked on my laugh. Oh, amateur. Anyway, on February 27th, 2000, why can't I say 2001? Disney Television Animation and Disney Video Premiere released a direct-to-video sequel to the film titled Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, produced 46 years after 
its predecessor and set two years and a few months after the events of the first film. Whoa. Uh, It centers on the adventures of Lady and Tramp's only son, Scamp, who desires to be a big wild dog or who desires to be a wild dog. Not a big wild dog, just a wild dog. He runs away from his family and joins a gang of junkyard dogs to, to fulfill his longing for freedom and a life without rules. Reviews for the sequel were generally mixed to negative with critics panning its plot. Well, yeah, it's kind of on the nose and kind of silly and unnecessary, just like all those sequels were. The live-action remake... Walt Disney Pictures produced a live-action remake of the film with Justin uh, Thoreau and Tessa Thompson. I hope I said those right. In the voice roles of Tramp and Lady, respectively, the movie premiered on Disney's new streaming service, Disney Plus, on its U.S. launch date of November 12, 2019. Disney Parks and Resorts. Walt Disney wanted uh, the setting of the film to be Marceline, Missouri, which had been his childhood hometown. Whilst whilst Lady and the Tramp was in production, Walt was also designing Disneyland in California and styled the Main Street USA area of the park to Marceline. Tony's Town Square Restaurant is an Italian restaurant inspired by Lady and the Tramp and is located at Walt Disney World, whilst the Pizzeria Bella Notte Restaurant is at Disneyland Paris. Boom. So if you're at... Wow. So not only... Not only did Lady and the Tramp have his historic film uh, breakthroughs. I don't know. It, it, it's it. Lady in the Tramp stands as a piece of film history beyond just, you know, uh, standing in the ranks of the, of Disney animated classics, but main street USA was designed based upon Marceline, Missouri, where Walt Disney grew up and is the setting for Lady and the Tramp, ergo Main Street USA at the Disney parks is kind of a Lady and the Tramp land. Who knew? Who to thunk it? So the Princess Castles... The various lands, Main Street USA, is the the mascots of Main Street USA. Really, could arguably be Lady and the Tramp. Bet you didn't know that. Just hit the microphone cable again. Bet you didn't know that. And that's another one of those things we didn't know we wanted to know about Lady and the Tramp, and a little bit about uh, the Disney parks. So, bada bing, bada boom. That my friends, was everything we didn't know we wanted to know about Walt Disney's 15th animated feature 
film, Lady and the Tramp. Hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I'm taking away quite a bit of info. These retrospectives, like, really, I, the, the, the tagline, you know, for these retrospectives and all the retrospectives we do via Radnorock, everything you didn't know you wanted to know about dot, dot, dot. And I learned something I didn't know I wanted to know about everything we've gone over. And it's like really interesting things. And really, Lady and the Tramp, this retrospective is one of the ones that has blown me away the most with the little like tidbits and intricacies. And like a, a big one is the closer that we ended on that Main Street USA and the Disney parks is effectively like a Lady and the Tramp land. I mean, sure, it's, the, you know, based on Marceline, and I really hope I'm saying that right, Missouri, which was Walt, Disney childhood, Walt Disney's childhood home. But it's also the, the setting of Lady and the Tramp. So I love it. I love, I love all, all the strings connect, connecting connect oh, I gotta I gotta give this episode up connecting all the little uh you know the Disney verse it's fascinating fascinating something I hope to do with our Leo legacy verse yeah. and skeleton crew you know the best way to support the things we're doing here with Leo legacy is to shop skeleton crew uh, Skeleton Crew is the Leo Legacy lifestyle brand, I guess. I don't know. Uh, you know, shirts, other knickknacks, all featuring uh, designs of my own imagining. Uh, much like Walt Disney, I've I've developed my own cast of characters that grace the various. Um, products we have i'm losing it guys i'm really losing it anyway scope it out at leolegacy.com slash shop pick yourself up something nice pick up something nice for someone you you love you know if you're a tramp snag something for your your lady and if you're a lady snag something for your tramp i'm telling you <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you um also you can find Leo Legacy across all your favorite social media platforms and really just anywhere on the internet. Just Leo Legacy, L-E-A-L, Legacy, uh, our website, social media, YouTube, everywhere. Just type in in the search bar, Leo Legacy, and you're going to find us. You're going to find what we're doing. So keep up with what we're doing. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a review. This podcast on your podcast provider or podcast platform of choice leave a rating leave a review it's going to help other people find and enjoy this podcast uh let's see specifically in our skeleton crew store i have a diz nerd diz nerd or disney nerds a diz nerd section where you can find you know my own interpretations or adaptations or reimaginings of iconic Disney things. Uh, and then uh, Radnorock, 
We've got a whole, we got a section dedicated to Radnorock merch. So go score yourself a Monsketeer tee or hoodie or whatever. I'm not wearing one right now, but they're they're really cool. Uh, and and be be a proud Monsketeer, Radnorock Monsketeer. Um, yeah. So at this point, I'm just rambling. And that being said, I'm gonna give it a go. I'm gonna give it a cut. I'm gonna get out of here. So oh 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 oh. Most importantly, the most important way to help others find and enjoy this podcast and everything we do at Leo Legacy is just word of mouth. Just tell people. So with that, I want to thank you for being a friend and telling a friend. And until next time, thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the flip side. Adios.